Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. While the ongoing coronavirus pandemic has exposed many vulnerabilities and inequities in the current food system, ranging from supply chain fragility to worker safety, it's also opening minds and doors to promising sustainability solutions brought forward by entrepreneurs and early-stage companies. In recent years, new ideas about regenerative farming, upcycling ingredients to reduce waste, sustainable packaging alternatives, and even new material solutions have begun to gain traction. But pioneers in the space have encountered skepticism and resistance that have slowed them down by limiting access to necessary resources, including funding and mentorship, to further test and refine their approaches. But with COVID-19 laying bare many of the challenges these solutions address, there's a new sense of urgency to turbocharge innovations in these areas. And among those answering this call to action are the U.S.-based nonprofit accelerator program, Food System 6, and the global food packaging supplier, Hudamaki, which together are launching the Hudamaki Circular Economy Startup Program by Food System 6 to accelerate companies working for a more sustainable future. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Food System 6 Chief Executive Officer Cesare Assad shares how the pandemic has shifted industry's perspective on sustainability and how the Hudamaki Circular Economy Startup Program can help entrepreneurs by fill an unmet need in the space. Early movers in the space, including Renewal Mills and Central Grazing Company, also share their experiences as pioneers and where else they see room for innovation with regards to sustainability. As an impact-focused accelerated, looking at early-stage founders and CEOs, Food System 6 has ushered five cohorts of food and agriculture entrepreneurs through its two-year program. But with the introduction last month of the new Hudamaki Circular Economy Startup Program, the nonprofit hopes to help even more young and promising companies. More narrowly focused than FS6 Accelerator Program, Assad explains that the Circular Economy Startup Program is offering $300,000 in equity-free grants and mentorship to eight companies that are offering solutions to support regeneration and circularity across agriculture and food distribution and production to create a stronger, resilient, and more equitable world. She adds that the, quote, bespoke four-week program will be tailored based on participating companies' needs, but with an eye towards navigating the due diligence process and making connections with those who can fuel companies' growth. Food System 6 is launched this new initiative with Hudamaki, and we are focused on supporting circular economy solutions um, for us because Food System 6 is, you know, explicitly focused on sustainability in the food system, um, we have, you know, really already been focusing on a lot of circular and regenerative uh, solutions. And so um, we have a, have a particular perspective that's very much focused around, you know, impact first. And given the current environment we're in, you know, really um, looking for companies who are, de- who are committed 
to, you know, really creating circularity. Um, this partnership with Hudamaki is just enabling us to um, really hear from a number of companies globally. So we're looking for innovators, you know, from around the world. And we're really able to cast a very wide funnel. Um, that's one of our main and primary focuses as a systems thinking organization. Um, and so we're, we're able to kind of get creative, um, think about circularity in the context of the current environment that we're in, as well as think about it in the context of um, this really incredible the sponsorship we have with Hudamaki in that, um, you know, FS6 is able to create this uh, vessel of long-term support, and ultimately the goal of this program, you know, is to identify companies that are great, great fit for receiving the kinds of, um, you know, relationship and network support we offer. Um, and then, you know, we can build a long-term support with them, and we have a different kinds of partners at the table um, who will be able to help us with that support, um, you know, Hudamaki being a primary one. Um, and so we're going to select, you know, up to eight companies, and really the goal of this is to quickly resource them. Uh, we'll be giving away $300,000 in equity-free grants um, and then, you know, giving them access to uh, this really robust network of support. So it's really intended to be a relatively, you know, short program, um, but with sort of meaningful returns that are actually meeting entrepreneurs where they are and giving them what they really need now, which is, you know, some capital, uh, both from a financial standpoint and then the, all the various other forms of capital, you know, social, um, intellectual, and otherwise that they are going to really need to uh, continue working on these difficult and challenging closed-loop solutions. FS6 is really we, – we run programs um, – in a way that is iterated and responsive to the cohort of entrepreneurs that we're actually working with. Um, so for these purposes, uh, we will uh, basically have, so our application process that we actually run through is in and of itself part of our um, program. It is set up to be, you know, representative and reflecting of the due diligence process. So, you know, we're really trying to add value um, whether or not we are selecting an entrepreneur for this cohort. Um, we're really trying to, I would say, take an educational approach to every way that we engage. Um, so that is, quote, unquote, part of the program in that we're helping them um, actually go through a process of what diligence might look like um, as they start to engage with different types of um, investors and stakeholders. Uh, we will actually run a, you know, four-week relatively in-depth sort of um, it, we orient it around relationship building, uh, but there's a get-to-know-you period with this particular cohort. It will last about four weeks, um, and we have uh, an FS6 process where we sort of work with them um, on introductions and work with them on specific aspects of communicating about their business um, that will be helpful to them uh, when we travel together uh, to Finland. Of course, travel is all uh, pending at this time, but the goal is that we're preparing them for three days together with uh, a group of Hudamaki folks and others uh, from their network um, so that we can help them to really make good time of that uh, experience and vice versa. We're designing a collaborative learning experience through this um, quote-unquote program. And so the goals of what we're doing is helping um, everyone to be able to really leverage the time to get the most 
learning that's relevant to um, their specific individual needs. So our work is very bespoke, customized, um, and the program really is such that um, this time allows us to get to know them so that we're able to, um, over the course of our relationship, provide introductions and access to different resources that they actually need as it relates to, you know, their next milestones and that sort of thing. Even though Food System 6 has already ushered through its accelerator program five cohorts of companies focused on improving sustainability in the food system, Assad's at the pandemic underscored the need for a new program that could help more early-stage companies bring to market novel solutions more quickly. You know, COVID has, um, has really just taken the veneer off of, you know, what has been uh, a system, you know, speaking about the food system that's, you know, largely um, been built to, uh, it has been industrialized um, to the degree that it works really well at uh, extracting yield. And, you know, what we've learned through that and we've seen with, you know, headline after headline, meat processing facilities, um, things happening with the grain economy, um, you know, the, 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 the horrifying statistics around, um, you know, farmers, suicide rates, um, just the, the market conditions for farming in the first place. Um, you know, COVID has, has just, I think, given people the chance to see it. And the, the degree to which we can look at things like the rates of obesity in this country, um, you know, truly factors of illness and metabolic disease that are directly correlated to the food system, um, you know, all of these factors together are, are showing a light on the things that um, are not working, which are these large industrial scale approaches to producing um, food. And it's also showing that those who are producing food in a regenerative way are seeing resilience with their business models and the demand for production from regenerative producing companies has vastly outstripped the ability for them to sup provide supply. And, you know, much of this is really looking at the infrastructure. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to get, there's a whole lot to go into when we look at the food system. Um, but the kinds of solutions that this program seeks to support are directly going to address some of these issues around infrastructure, models like cooperative ownership that help to generate wealth in communities, um, slaughterhouses that are, you know, potentially owned by the folks who are there fabricating each and every day, um, new packaging solutions that take into account the agricultural production of um, the, the feedstock that's being grown to support that packaging, and then who are the folks that are actually um, in the fields harvesting, you know, those products. There's, there's so much happening um, today that has been happening, and now because of folks being at home and having an opportunity to, to you know, reconnect a little, uh, you know, we are, I think, in a position to actually expedite um, by revaluing and reinvesting in uh, the regenerative and circular solutions that are already really uh, happening. How animals are raised, slaughtered, and processed is one of the major weaknesses in the food system exposed by the coronavirus and where alternative approaches already are being explored by innovative entrepreneurs, 
including the Central Grazing Company, which is part of FS6's current cohort. When Jacqueline Smith co-founded Central Grazing Company in Kansas in 2015, it was with an eye towards raising sheep responsibly and in a way that not only supported her family, but also her community and the planet. Being in the Midwest, I was able to kind of see firsthand how um, the the industrial food system has changed our communities. Um, You know, wasn't that long ago that like rural communities were really vibrant and and farmers grew very diverse fields and um, as soon as they started moving into monoculture crops we saw kind of the breakdown of like the local regional food system and where we used to like be able to grow everything in our backyard we started to ship everything in from other even from other countries from other states and other countries and the small towns that once thrived became kind of ghost towns and opportunities left and people started to leave and farming changed significantly so that now farmers are like average age, like 65 years old. So it's like a really difficult career to kind of get into. But, um, you know, I started raising sheep uh, about 20 years ago. And at first I just started raising sheep um, as naturally as I could, rotating them on grass and making sure that we're paying close attention that the, that the grass could feed and sustain our flock. Well, more importantly, that nature has the inherent ability to nourish itself and like using my sheep as part of that ecosystem. And when you have like a whole ecosystem that's working together, everything is protected and taken care of. And so when we started to build Central Grazing Company, I started to think about how do we apply what we see with nature in our own business so that Central Grazing Company can work to build, um, you know, all of the things that are really important to our ecosystem, which is a traceable local and regional supply chain, and partnering with small independent farmers that pay really close attention to the details of how they farm to ensure that the soil is being healed and that the environment is being t- taken care of, and um, and also to raise their flocks ethically using the highest animal welfare standards. When we started to apply those kind of missions to the way that we viewed our businesses, we kind of could see how each part of that in a larger system takes care of itself. And so if everything is balanced in that system. She explains that the pandemic has both tested and tempered her belief that to strengthen the U.S. food system, farmers, ranchers, and food manufacturers need to work together to create a more diversified regional approach that supports players up and down the supply chain, as well as the communities in which they live and operate. 30 years ago, there was an abundance of small custom harvest facilities and um, medium-sized harvest facilities. And over the last 30 years, we've lost them so that now most of our food that's from animal proteins come from really large, industrial-sized, really efficient processing plants, which keep the, the price of the li- price of the meat low, but it also contributes to a tremendous amount of, of extraction. I mean, like, the most vulnerable workers work in those factories, and they don't have access to health care or even ability to kind of protect themselves from social distancing. And, um, you know, the, the, the way that animals are raised definitely does not take into consideration, like, the entire natural ecosystem. Um, and so there's lots of 
inefficiencies on the long term to keep the price of that meat down. And as soon as some of those, the workers started to contract COVID, these large industrial-sized meat packing plants and harvest facilities just crashed and there wasn't anywhere for them to get their animals harvest. And if anyone's been paying attention, a lot of animals have had to, what they've been calling, depopulate off farms because they're just not there's just nowhere for them to get processed. And that has trickled down all the way to the medium-sized and small custom facilities, state and USDA-inspected harvest facilities across the nation. So at this point, it's really incredibly difficult for anybody to be able to find harvest schedules at these harvest facilities. All the, They're booked all the way into, like, next year. So we're looking at, you know, farmers at the farmer's market level having to compete for space for hog farmers that are producing, like, thousands of hogs annually. And um, this is going to be a long-term problem looking down the road in the future because since we've, like, restructured our supply chains, there's there, we just don't have the infrastructure built anymore in the United States to be able to harvest efficiently. So I think that that is going to be, like, the, when I'm looking down the road, the long-term vision is the fact that we have to work pretty quickly on elevating this industry to be able to like have have the infrastructure built that we can feed Americans because right now it's very difficult to be able to get your animals harvest. COVID's going to be here for a while. And if it's not COVID, it's going to be some other climate change or something else is going to happen. So making like we are specifically looking at um, – diversifying our harvest facilities. So instead of going through one or two, we're going to look at like three or four and maybe even possibly try to work on building one in our county to help mitigate some of these problems with the processing that we see. And then long-term, my goal is that we can actually do, um, create a really strong and robust alternative market here that's scalable in the Midwest for farmers, diversified farmers who are growing part of their of their crops of, of lamb amongst other things that they're growing. And we, I really want to kind of create a company that others can look at and model as like the correct way, the correct thinking about how to structure business, looking at every single point of production and minimizing the waste as an opportunity and a responsibility for us to take care of. And then ensuring that, you know, everything that we're doing is protecting the soil and the animal health and the workers that work our, that grow our food. Um, and Food System 6 is gearing me up to be able to have that growth potential so that I'm ready when it's the time for us to grow and scale. The delicate balance between sufficient food supply and food waste is another area in urgent need of solutions, which has been highlighted by the pandemic, according to Assad. Luckily, she says several entrepreneurs already are testing solutions, including FS6 portfolio member Renewal Mill, which upcycles undervalued byproduct streams from current food production to create nutrient-dense products with its optimized drying technology. Renewal Mill CEO and co-founder Claire Schlemmy explains that the idea of upcycling isn't new, and in fact it was on the rise before coronavirus broke out in the U.S. But she said the difficulty that consumers and manufacturers had with securing ingredients and products they wanted during the pandemic 
has helped highlight the need for and benefits of upcycling. So we're looking for places where nutrition would otherwise be going to waste in our food system and finding unique ways for us to rescue it and get it back to people so that they can eat it. So we do this primarily by um, looking for uh, unique byproduct streams that are of interest to us, usually because they have a lot of nutritional value. And then we convert them into shelf-stable ingredients using uh, proprietary technology that we co-locate at the food manufacturing facility that's producing the byproducts. So it's a way for us to basically look at the inputs to our food system and ensure that everything that's being brought in is being used. So one example that we like to give is with our first uh, ingredient that we are manufacturing, which is called uh, okara flour. It's, the, it's made from the soybean pulp that's left over when soy milk is made. When uh, We partner with, with tofu manufacturers who first make soy milk before they make the tofu in order to harvest that okara from them, the soybean pulp that then becomes the flour. And when the soybeans come into the, um, into the plant, actually about 60% of the soybean mass leaves the plant as waste currently. But by utilizing okara flour as an additional product that we can make, uh, we are now using 100% of the soybeans that had come into the soybean plant. While the pandemic has elevated the importance of not wasting food, Renewal Mills Chief Operating Officer Carolyn Cotto added general awareness of the terms and benefits of, quote, upcycling or, quote, circular economy are still low, which is why Renewal Mills last October helped form the Upcycle Food Association. There is growing consumer awareness of the actual term circular economy, but what there is widespread awareness of is food waste as an issue. Um, and so I think people are generally pretty familiar with the statistics that in the U.S. about 40% of food is wasted um, and globally about 30% of food that we produce is never eaten. Um, but now they kind of want to know what they can do to help. So we helped form the Upcycled Food Association last October, um, and I'm currently serving as the inaugural board president of that organization, which is really working towards um, growing the upcycled food economy and uh, in, in part the, the circular economy um, and then also really trying to help drive that consumer awareness through a product certification program. So we're really trying to help make upcycled as recognized as something like organic or non-GMO and we've seen that a, a way to do that would be with a, a trusted third-party verification. So the first step in building that verification was to create a formal definition of upcycled food and that just came out in April um, with the backing of a bunch of big research funds and Drexel and Harvard University um, that, that formally defined what upcycled food means as part of the larger circular economy. Shlemy added that manufacturers can also help expand awareness, creation, and use of upcycled ingredients by looking at their own production processes to identify where there's potential to turn a byproduct into a useful ingredient. Simultaneously, she encourages manufacturers and brands to choose upcycled ingredients to not only drive awareness and improve their sustainability, but also to offer nutrient-dense, unique products that consumers want. While companies like Renewal Mills and Central Grazing Company and many others are already making strides in improving sustainability, 
Assad said there's still more work to be done and plenty of white space for innovation, which is why she's eager to welcome the inaugural class of the Hudamaki Circular Economy Startup Program and encourages those who are interested to learn more about the program online at www.foodsystem6.org slash circular underscore economy dot html and apply by august 15th with that we've reached the end of another episode of food navigator usa's soup to nuts podcast i hope you'll join me again next week for another installment and to ensure that you remember i encourage you to subscribe to us on itunes until next time this is elizabeth crawford wishing you a productive profitable and safe week <music>